is Learning Innovation, the Teaching and Learning Podcast, also known as LittlePod. We are created by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation, located in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. In the spirit of equity, diversity and inclusion, and Nitsitapi Simstan, or real thinking, we play host to a spectrum of guests from the teaching and learning community. As we highlight and explore innovation in education, we hope to kindle warm conversations, expand perspectives, and foster lasting partnerships today, tomorrow, and beyond. The future of learning starts now. Okay, and welcome to episode number 53 of The Little Pod. In honor of Black History Month, we're hosting our second student panel here in the Buchanan Library at Lethbridge College. Joining our special discussion today are students Sharon Boyd, Susan Samila, and Ryo Izzo-Neobore. Sharon is studying to become a social worker, Susan is studying to become an, an administrative office professional, and Ryo is studying criminal justice with hopes to become a police officer. Our guests will chat about some of the events happening around campus and share what it means to celebrate cultural identity and traditions. Welcome, everyone. Hi, my name is Sharon Boyd. Yeah, so I'm LCSA and uh, I student rep and I'm a fun person. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Hi, Donna. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Hello, my name is Ryo. Nice. Thank you for having me. So there are lots of events happening here for Black History Month at the college. We've already started yesterday with breakfast, with a Nigerian scrambler. D did any of you have a chance to, to get some of that? Yes, I did. It was very good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it sure went fast. So I'm excited to experience more. I know there's lots more activities coming up. The month is, hasn't even started yet. So I'm curious to know which events and activities you three are most excited about this month. Mm. For me, I will say looking forward to having the dance classes and going to uh, the moving screening of the public library and having like the cultural dress-up day at the end of the event. So yeah, those are my three highlights of this coming month. And are you teaching the dance class? Yes, I'll be teaching the dance class. Okay, well, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that too. <laughs> yes, I'm my, looking forward to seeing you around. Yeah, I'll be that'll there. be fun. Awesome. Okay. And Ryo, do you want to go next? Sure, and then yeah. Susan? I'm, overall, I'm excited about everything, but the particular one is the opening ceremony, like on the first day, I believe. I really, I don't know, I just really enjoy seeing like everybody gather in the in the room or in the cave the core center core on the first day and and like learn <laughs> like just having people learn about about black culture it's, it's very exciting to me yeah yeah that's wonderful and the kickoff is just an exciting way to really get the the month started mm -hmm. all right and what about for you susan i'm excited about the last day there'll be a speaker a guest speaker and i'm looking forward to everything the person has to say to everyone i'm also looking forward to getting one of the meal kits that's like nice, <laughs> trying other people's food and all that. So. That's wonderful. Yes. And and almost every year there is a meal kit. And I know this year there'll be a meal kit. And so that's really a lot of fun because you get all the ingredients and you can make the meal. So what are the significance of these events? 
I would say it's like to really get to teach people about the Black history, the, the struggles, and also how we emerged winners at the end. It's like, oh, not all about struggling. It's just like we are people and we do good things in the community and we've achieved a lot of things. And in general, it's just a little bit us. Like we, we've done good. We've come from far and we are heading far. That's wonderful. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's really a celebration. Yeah. Yeah, I I really enjoy like I'm a very big learner <laughs> and I, I like uh, learning like through pictures and videos and stuff like that. So I really love, you know, showing everybody everything. <laughs> it's kind of a basic answer, but yeah, just once again, just showing everybody like that there's no like singular way to be black. There are multiple paths there are multiple ways to express yourself and express your culture as well. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity to to be sharing and learning. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I also believe it's a great opportunity to tell people who you are as a community. Like, for instance, the speaker coming will talk about a lot of things. Like Sharon said, struggles, leadership, how where we are coming from, where we are going, how much we've worked towards where we are going. So, and it'll be nice for other people to know what's happening. So it's not just the Black community. Other people will also get to learn and explore stuff and things happening within the Black community. So that's really a great way to to wrap up the month, to have that speaker coming. And, and yeah, that, the whole month, right from beginning to end, there's a lot of really great of activities. Stuff. So big question, why is it important to host and celebrate events like these at the college? I would say for cultural appreciation, it allows us to celebrate and, uh, and appreciate the Black culture through art, dance, literature, music. And also I would say it's to educate and create awareness. Uh, it serves a platform to educate the community about the history, culture, experiences of Black people, and it helps to dispel the stereotypes. And also I would say it helps to promote the economy. Uh, Equality, like by celebrating Black History Month, our culture, it emphasizes on the importance of ensuring that all students are, regardless of their background, have equal opportunities for success. Hmm. A lot about inclusivity, like just having everybody, everybody gra- gather around and include everyone in, in the conversation and give everyone a seat at the table, sort of. Like I learned about this a lot in like my diversity class right now, taught by Sheila French, actually. <laughs> but yeah, we... It's very, it's, it's pretty good to include everybody and have open conversations about like the good and the bad, what we've been through, and then learn how we can move on from everything. Not move on is kind of like a loose term, but yeah, move on from a lot of things. Heal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A way of, to look forward. Yeah. Yeah. Just to buttress what Ryo said, inclusi- inclusion, mm-hmm. like community building. So even within the Black community, we are still very different and we still want to know about each other. So it will bring a lot of different people together to do unique things. And it's th- that's like really important. So, mm. Like different ideas, different values, different cultures in general. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that every, there's all kinds of different stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh. I, I, f- I feel like all of us, uh, like in my country, we Kenyan, right? I'm from Kenya. And if we just think about Kenya, think about one language, but actually we have 42 tribes. Mm. So it's really interesting to see like we can be from the same country, but different cultures. So it's a, a good platform to like really get people to understand like Kenya is just a place, but 
it has a subtribe. Mm-hmm. And you all have our differences and this is time to come together and try to work it out and move forward. So it's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's that's you know, it's something a lot of people may not be aware of. So mm. yeah. So growing up in my family, we would we would go out to my grandfather's creek. He had a creek and we'd go swimming out there and and that was kind of a tradition in our family. I'd love to hear about some of the maybe the cultural cultural traditions or traditions that were passed down to you in your families. Mm-hmm. I would say like for us, like the major highlight is like having having this traditional food. Like I have a time in the year where we all just come around and slaughter goat and make like this drink. We have for my tribe, uh, it's called Morsik. It's like a fermented milk. Like you just come and just drink around and sing and dance. That's what I remember for growing up. I did not, I've done it for most better part of my life, and it's really good. Mm, me too, actually. Yeah, uh, food is like a very big part of of our culture, or of like I guess black culture, but a lot of cultures in general. I like we used to. My family used to gather around all the time, or like not all the time, like once every couple months, you know, for big events like birthday parties and Christmas, maybe. And we just share food, like break bread, you know, have conversations, learn about each other, like what we're what we're experiencing, what we're, like what we're doing at school and stuff like that. Dance, sing, and have like amazing food. So, so it's really big. <laughs> yeah, food is a wonderful way to bring people together, oh, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Celebrating cultural identity for me, it's. I like it when people ask me, "Oh, what do you speak? What's your native language?" Because in my family, one thing I know is they always want you to be able to speak the native language, no Mm -hmm. matter where you are in the world. I have cousins in Canada and their children were born here and they have to speak the language. So the parents have to teach them because when you go back home, they want you to be able to communicate. And for me, that's like fostering cultural identity because where I'm from in Nigeria, we believe speaking your language is something that will make people know who you are. Like, you are my tribesman, you are my kingsman, because you can speak the language. And for me, it's really important. That's how I get to celebrate who I am. Because no matter where I go, even if I forget different things, I don't want to forget like my roots, my language and all that. So. Mm-hmm. That's really big. Yeah. 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 Adding on to that, like I would say it was unfortunate for me because uh, growing up, I didn't really get the chance to like really learn my my tribe language so we just speak generally in the nas- in the national language and then right now what my country people have done is like we found one day of the year to just it's called tamaduni day we just celebrate all the cultures and then they're trying to put all these um, books to the new curriculum so like they're introducing it to schools which we didn't get a chance to back then to do them so i feel like it's a good way to try to like nurture the younger ones growing up to like really appreciate where they come from so yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I, actually a lot of people in my family like the younger kids like don't speak the language and i am actually one of the own like one of the few people because i talk with my mom a lot she i love learning like like her language as well or our language <laughs> but my sisters my brothers like i me and my older brother weren't born here but my sisters were born in canada and they're like they barely speak it. My cousins who moved here like after, like when they were in like elementary school and stuff, they lost the language, but I'm still learning it and I'm still like 
talking to my mom with it whenever I go see her. So it's nice. Language is very important, like Susan said. Yeah. Yeah, it's very closely tied to culture, isn't it? And and that's very challenging, I think, too, to it's wonderful to hang on to that language when you're in an environment where the first language is something different that can be more challenging, I think. Yes. Well, in Nigeria, the official language is English. But irrespective of that, people people always want to make sure that it's it's not easy. It's very challenging because you barely have enough people to speak to you or speak back to. So it's harder to actually hold on to it. I can understand how like people sometimes lose the language, but I believe that's part of the whole celebration, trying so much to hold on to it, coming like downloading those books that talk about your language and all those things. It will help teaching other people about your language. For instance, I have a friend who is Spanish and once in a while she says words to me in Spanish and I grasp onto those words. Sometimes I respond in my language. So I'm not just taking from you. You should also take something from you, from mm-hmm. me. So, And like having like books and stuff like that or just resources available for kids to retain languages and stuff. That's really important having that in schools and like libraries and, and, and stuff. Yeah. And also I could say like over the years, like uh, embracing the mainstream kind of life is, has made so many kids growing up because they think like speaking English is the new thing. So they feel like, oh, if I speak my native language or dress in my native way, like it's not trendy. It's not trendy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not like up to date. So they, they just want to break away from that. And it's unfortunate. But right now, like something is happening and they're going to embrace it more. There's a shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the word. <laughs> I like that. Does this month, does Black History Month help to create that platform to, to sort of create that to foster the language oh yes because if i come here on the first day in my traditional attire you're going to ask me where i'm from you're going to ask me different things and i'm going to tell you about it how we say good morning i'm not just going to dress up for the fun of it i want you to take something so once i dress up and you ask me oh what's this on your head i'm going to tell you what it means in my language what it symbolizes so I'm spreading something. So Black History Month is going to, it helps. And it's a whole month. So yeah, it should be beyond a month. But for now, it's a month and you get a whole month to tell people stuff, to teach people stuff. So yes, it's helping. Yeah. And I would say like, I don't know, like in Canada is like in the month of February, it's like really cold. Like most of our clothes are like really, <laughs> like you're, we're tropical people and we like the sun. So when you come here, it's like, oh, we can't wear that yes. because like how would I walk from my house to here? So like, I even don't know what to do, but for sure, like if you get us here, if you, if you walk around the college, you'd see like people having bracelets, you could definitely know, oh, that's from somewhere. Like, oh, that's how I identify myself. But also on that day, they'll have like a photo booth where like they could just come and take pictures and celebrate themselves and leave sticker notes of saying hello in different languages, like at the entrance of the library, just like last year, Mm -hmm. they did that and it was really good. Yeah. And it's really important to, like the earlier question, to host these events here because if like we don't do it, who will? You know, like if we don't express our culture, if we don't spread around like a message that we want to like see around, like no one else will. So it's kind of like another way to think of it as well. And also I feel like if you ask uh, people around here, we're like, oh, what, what's, where are you from? Say Africa. It's like, oh, Africa. It's not a, it's not a country. <laughs> it's a, just a continent. Okay? <laughs> there are different countries in Africa. So that's, that's why I feel like sometimes we get confused. Like Africa is not a country. It's just a continent. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, we're all different. Yeah. yeah. So this month really is a great way to help educate people. And, and people are keen to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, handing out the breakfast the other morning, people were really excited about the month starting and really excited to try out the food. Yeah. Mm. Talking about how we celebrate things, it's unfortunate. Like I could say talking about myself is like growing up, uh, we didn't have a lavish lifestyle where we get to celebrate birthday parties and all of these Halloweens, Valentines. Like those are the things, it was not like basic needs, so just like for the rich people. And coming here and meeting other people who like see how Canadians are like celebrating all these things, it makes me feel like, yeah, there's a, like I feel good celebrating all those things because it had lost a meaning, but now it's like I feel appreciated even if it's just for something small. So, mm. yeah. Can I add something to that, actually? Like growing, I, I, I'm not an international student, but I grew up in, in Ontario, but like growing up like not very wealthy, it's the exact same thing. Like you see that the, the disconnect between like the, the not very wealthy students and the wealthy students where the wealthy students are celebrating everything they have everything like up to date and all that i don't know and then like having us like poor kids <laughs> not really having a halloween costume for example <laughs> but yeah that's kind of something to bring up thank you thank you for saying that You're welcome <laughs> yeah that's that's an interesting connection mm-hmm. with your with your the way you grew up yeah but like that's what black history month is still all about removing that barrier between the whole poor students, mm-hmm. rich students, irrespective of, I don't want to say class, there should still be that thing that makes you know that you're a part of this group. Mm-hmm. So Black History Month is still dwelling on that fact that you are not rich, you are not poor, whatever you are, you're welcome, and we are supposed to do this thing together. Like the whole Halloween and all of that, people can celebrate no matter how small, no matter how big, you can still, you try your best to still enjoy those things. And that's what Black History Month is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also adding on that, I feel like for men, it, it, back in my countries, like men have to be these macho people, like to be strong. So here is like, if you see men who are emotional, like, oh, I could embrace that side of me. I'd be like, I don't need to be strong because I learned like we all have emotions, just not to suppress everything. So mm-hmm. it's a good way. Yeah. We shouldn't just limit celebrating Black history to February. Mm. It should be a thing we do every day of our lives. You are from a particular place. Your ancestors are from, even if, like you said, you're not like, you've not been back home, like you've not been all African for a while. We have African Canadians, Black Canadians too. And I'm sure they would want to celebrate their ancestry or where they are originally from. So it's not just February and that's it. Every day of your life, there's a way you would want to live to know that, okay, I'm from this place. I have history with this place. I look this way. I want to celebrate. Also, other people who are not of Black descent or Black ethnicity should be able to understand that you can celebrate with us. You can dress with us, eat with us. It's not going to be regarded as... Cultural appropriation. No, because I find that word very funny and disturbing. (laughs) Why would people want to celebrate with you and do things with you and then you find it offensive Mm -hmm. or annoying, Mm -hmm. except if it's done in a wrong way? Yeah. And even if it's done in a wrong way, there's room for correction, explanation, educating the person. So every person who wants to join and celebrate and... No more is welcome to it's that's what it's all about mm-hmm. community building and growth. 
Oh, you, know, yeah. you know a fun fact about that? I, I feel like it's in different countries that celebrate the Black History Month in different months, mm. not just February. Oh. I, yeah. So it could be so it could the be whole year whole year Because, <laughs> yeah, it can be in China and it's Black History Month it's in Black January, History Month so. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so a question on thoughts on both honoring traditions, and then there's times maybe where we break away from different traditions. You know, things change over time. Some traditions are 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 great, and 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 some traditions just change. So I'd be curious to know your thoughts on on those kinds of things. That maybe the tra- traditions that you really love and and you would hang on to, and others that you're like, meh, that one can can go. Okay, I would say for my country, what I'll hold on to is like the happy times, like the things we do, like eating, dressing up, like singing, dancing in our native language. But also I would say like I would want us to shift away from like, for example, in in some of the tribe in my country, they do the FGM, which is the female genital mutilation. Yeah, so we even get circumcised and... uh it's it's really sad because it impacts their life in different ways and try to eradicate that from from this like now is like it's been a big fight because people are strongly holding on to their cultures because the right of passage to people. So education is really good and those are the things I would say like I would stop and not take it over because like it was practiced back then. But right now we're living in the current time where people have a voice of saying no to things because now we are more educated on the things that could affect how how we do things. So yeah, that's an amazing example. Yeah, I'm from Burundi. It's a small country in East Africa, right next to Rwanda. But yeah, I'm I'm Burundian. But I feel like it's kind of like a bigger problem than just like my country. It's like a lot of it's it's kind of everywhere. But yeah, a lot of ideas are are pretty damaging to to like newer generations, especially when you move to a new country and you want to like you know, learn and expand your views. And yeah, I feel like, like closed mind isn't mind in this is very, very big in, in some African cultures. And it's good to talk about like the good and the bad for, for all cultures. So yeah, that's like one thing that I would probably change. <laughs> so yeah, with the intersectionality portion of it, intersectionality, I, I think that's like very big because I could, I could like go into like a, a black space and then there there are people there who don't like want me there because I'm gay or I could go to like like the pride room for example just an example <laughs> a queer space and people don't want me there because I'm black so it's like a lot of the things there it's very hard to fit in especially like as being a black woman as well Sharon and Susan that intersectionality portion runs off of that too like you, you can go places where where you, the like the black men in your like society, in your culture or whatever are just not welcoming not very not very they're very toxic <laughs> and then yeah and then you can go into white spaces where you just don't feel or white dominated spaces where you don't really feel the, the best feel wanted so it's, yeah kind of i know i'm using like a lot of words but it kind of brings a lot of like imposter syndrome along with it because like you don't feel like you really belong anywhere which is kind of like, yeah, which is really big to to have these these events where you can like express how you want to be, how you want to express. Yeah. I was having like very um anxious thoughts about coming to this podcast just because just talking. But I know Sharon, like she really like talked me, helped me through it. Like she's just like every call, like what you identify is what you identify is. So like really shout out to Sharon for like 
putting that piece in my head a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. No yeah, worries. we're so happy to have you here. And and everybody brings that different perspective. And, a, and I'm glad you're mentioning intersectionality. Your instructor will be glad you're <laughs> mentioning that too, because that really adds a whole different level of complexity mm-hmm. to things. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. kind of adding on to that. Like uh, I've over the past few couple of months of uh, reading through the news and all, we could see like uh, how our presidents, some of the countries are like really rigid. They cannot embrace the changes that are coming nowadays. And then like, oh, they say like, for example, until a man gives birth, that's the time we know it can, men can be women. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they put you in prison. So until you give birth, that's the time we're going to release you so that we can know actually you're a woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that make us still not too to like really try to move forward because our mind is like so clogged. I don't know what to mm-hmm. truly express. So we just have to embrace and say like people are people. We love who you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking on embracing change, I'm from Nigeria and in like where I am from in Nigeria, there's a proverb that goes, what an adult sees on the highest tree, a child cannot see even sitting. So it's like, Adults know everything, no matter what it is, they know it all. So when it comes to like cultural values and norms that need to change or it will probably be context-based because it's not in all situations adults are right. Like sometimes it's about my life. So you cannot tell me just because you are older, you know, yes, they have experience, but you don't know everything because your life is different from my life. So things like that, I feel depending on where you are, what stage you are in life, the culture, the norms you would want to take with you, they are usually like, it depends on that moment. Mm -hmm. Speaking on the same proverb, that same proverb makes me understand that wherever I am in life, I have respect for my elders. So it's very, it's not every time they are right. And sometimes you want to take that thing and hold on to it too. Because that proverb makes me understand that wherever I go to, as long as you're older than I am, I would give you respect. But that doesn't mean you have all the experience in the world to tell me how my life should go. Mm. So it's like, sometimes it's a context thing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And adding on to that, I will say like, I think how the teachers, like we must respect our elders. Sometimes like we, we, we are now educated, okay? So now I know I'll tell my kid, you can only respect people who are worth being respected. Not everyone deserves the respect. Sure. But so. these days, sorry for interrupting. Kids don't know how to differentiate the, I'm respecting you because you deserve to be respected. Mm-hmm. People don't understand. Okay, yes. In a situation like maybe you find yourself in your office now, for instance, here in Canada, it's very, you enter your office, your boss is Sharon. You just go, oh, hi, Sharon. Good morning. It's not like that in Nigeria. Your boss is older, age, experience, everything. You are going to have respect. Even if your ideas are better than your boss's own, you have no choice. Mm. You are not going to say, Sharon, listen to me because I have better ideas. You are still going to have that respect. Mm. In that situation, sure, you, you know that this situation, I have to give this respect. And there are times when people disrespect themselves, so you cannot respect them. But kids are not learning Mm-hmm. They don't know how to differentiate those situations. You just say, oh, okay, I just don't have, I've seen it a lot. So I think same thing goes back to culture. It's, you have to go back and understand that, okay, 
this is the situation and I should act this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say also adding on to that, like in my class, like having an instructor coming in, we are used to saying, hi, sir, hi, madam. We don't, we don't call you by your first name. Okay. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't do that. So having them telling us like, hey, uh, you should call me, for example, Donna. I will not call you that. I'll I'll struggle mm-hmm. calling you that. I was like, oh, is like really, is it like really appropriate call me? <laughs> call her Donna? I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so. like a very, I grew up in a, or I went to high school in all my life, like a Catholic high school. I went to like a Catholic, grew up Catholic. But that's something that's actually taught a lot in Catholic schools where they're like, you have to call me by my last name, last name, last name only. And it's like, you you respect me irrespective of what our relationship is, you know, or just because our relationship is teacher student, you have to respect me. Yeah, that's it's, a, it's I don't want to say it's like a toxic mindset, but it is like it can be damaging sometimes to to have that. And then that's where like kids come in and where they don't understand like where the boundary comes in, you know, like where am I respecting you because you're an adult or am I expecting you respecting you because you're a human being, you know, like that's, yeah, I think that's where uh, you were going with that, yeah. Susan, right? Yeah. Not just kids, even adults. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the college is, is a very multicultural place with students and instructors from many parts of the world. And it's created this big, beautiful tapestry of different stories and experiences. What have your experiences been as Black students here at the college? Do you feel a sense of community and belonging here? Are there ways that you've tried to foster this sense of community? So it's kind of a lot of questions, but. You use the exact words to describe the community at the college. There is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of community. The, I remember my first year, they took us to like a room and they said, and they said, this is international students lounge with flags from different countries. Like there's something like this for people like me. This is already including me. I'm not there often. Maybe I don't have time to go there, but the fact that it exists is like, you're welcoming me and you're telling me I have a space here in your place for me. That's, I don't know how else you can tell me I belong here. Mm -hmm. That's a great example. Really well said. I like Susan had said, it took me a while before I knew we had a student lounge because I, when I came in here, like during COVID time, we didn't have the, like the in the, uh, the orientation and all. So I had to learn it a different way, but like the cave is a big place. So we have some of the games going on. So most of the time I would be like, I go and play and we have Indians like play, Canadians play there, like everybody plays there. So it's a good way of exchanging, like and being a social place. And also we have like some of these events like Unity, where people just come in together and like socialize, play games, share ideas. Like it's been really good. And also I could just being around like our classes, like how the groups are, they make us into groups. Like it just forces you to be diverse and have to learn about each other, but each other. And then like with that, get a long time friendship. So mm-hmm. yeah. To add on to like what she said about the cave, I was reading something about third spaces, like where people, like there's home, there's school or work or whatever. And then there is a third place where people just hang around. The LCSA does an amazing job at like, making the cave into like a third space, like where you can, where everyone can hang around. Like, I think right now they're doing Thirsty Thursday. They're like, there's a lot of activities that like everyone can do. And I I didn't get involved much into the, like I'll say until this year, or like I didn't like go to events as much, 
but yeah, that's where I made like some amazing friends. That's where I kind of met Sharon too. We're like, I'm on this podcast right now because of her. So like, yeah. Yeah. And adding on to that, like we have right now as LCSA or being part of LCSA has made us em- embrace each and every culture. Like, for example, last year we had Diwali Festival. So everyone is just like, my friend has a dub piece of clothing from their country. I just wear them and I come enjoy the movie and uh, the 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 dance and the music and food. That's how I think we all try to to like really get involved and in knowing each other. So can you mention what LCSA stands for? Lethbridge College Students Association. And that's where everyone can come and it's a safe place for everybody. So for that we we are there to speak on behalf of students. Yeah, so it's a good place to come and hang around. We're we fun people, right? Yeah, they are, yeah. <laughs> so that all sounds wonderful. And and I've seen it, LCSA is very visible on campus with all the different activities. Are there ways that the college could serve you better? One yeah. thing stands out. Mm-hmm. Diverse representation in leadership would be good. It would help students know that. Let me start with this example. It was a very funny thing. I work at the library and once a black student sees me there, you work here, there's this look. How? What makes you like, why? How come? And it's it's funny. They don't know that it's not hard. It's very easy. There are all these openings. Don't be scared. Don't be worried. And I spoke to one student and the person is like, but how many black people are like, in the leadership, what makes you think? I feel there is this, there's nobody I can look up to. It's not like you can't look up to other people from other ethnicity, but you, you're you just looking for similarity. You're mm-hmm. looking for something that that is like you, that will make, that will motivate you to want to do something like that person. So when there is like diverse representation in positions of leadership, more black students who know that, okay, I can do this thing irrespective. I don't, because now I feel there's this feeling of since there's nobody there, maybe they don't just want me there or something. Mm-hmm. Let me just step back. But once you have that feeling of motivation, mentorship, representation, oh, then I can do it too. I can move towards this thing too. It's like Sharon on LCSA mm-hmm. representative now. This particular session, I discovered there are like more Black people, like more let me not use black, but more diverse people on the LCSA, LCSA representation. There is a Filipino, I think Mazma is Saudi Arabian. Like it's so different. So other people are looking at it that, okay, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. I can move forward too. So more representation would really go a long way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this semester, like since the last election, like it has been really diverse because we have, like, I think I call them the international LCSA. Like, Everyone is from different countries, so like that's that's good. And what we try to do sometimes, like be on the hallways and talk to people and make them feel like, hey, we are here for you. So it's just you coming to us. Like just feel free to talk to us. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it has really improved because that office one time when I came in here, like no no other students would go in there. But nowadays they walk in like they belong. All you the see, time. It's home. Yeah, I love yeah, going so. in there because there's so much there's so much to see. There's so many people to talk to. Yeah. And to move like moving on from that, I can count how many black instructors like I've had in this school and on my finger. And it's one. <laughs> just Ibrahim Ture, he's actually like amazing. Like just just seeing him do his job sometimes or just teach 
like, I don't know, just seeing them around the school. It's like, that's a big representation for me. Just seeing a, a black instructor be like walking around. It kind of makes you feel like you can do it. <laughs> and it's like, not to, like Sharon said, or sorry, like Susan said, not to say that you can't do it. Or you can't find that motivation other where, other places, but it is still good to see that. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you can't find it. Mm-hmm. It's just. You got to look a little harder yes, sometimes. You have to like <laughs> really look for it. Then yeah. you know it's there. Mm-hmm. So more of it would do a lot more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also saying like also in the like the wellness services, like having diverse counselors there, mm-hmm. it makes it feels like home, you know, like. Like we know, like in black culture, like mental health is mm. something parents don't really want to hear it because <laughs> they don't understand us. Like we say, hey, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed. They can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. They smack you and they tell you, go to work, go to school. Even if it's depressing, they don't want to listen to you. So I feel like that is something when I came in here, like I felt like I had a safe space to like really pour out what's inside like what I've been holding on like even if it's the little thing like the traumas I had as a kid I feel like I could like really share so I, f- I feel like the college has done a good job including all of us to do something so mm-hmm. yeah so it's good but there is more that can be done more that can always be done I, always yes <laughs> wonderful hmm. um just adding on to that <laughs> sorry yeah, no yeah like for the food bank sometimes when we try to uh uh, when people come to the office and they try to get food. So we have so many questions like, what am I supposed to do with this? So that's something else that people people could want to, they want to improve on because like if you give them macaroni and cheese, we're not used to that. If you give them, I don't know, different kind of foods or like, what am I supposed to do with this? So you have to like give them a, a recipe of how you do this, do this, this. I didn't know at first, so that's why I don't eat. So I feel like with those food banks, if they could improve on those things like that could add up for like international students so like oh i feel home like even if it's just rice it's universal everyone knows rice so that's something i would go for for example beans in most of the black issue like beans is is a major dish for people so like through that yeah that is re- because sometimes i will not take from the food bank since i know it's not something i would eat so i don't want to waste it but mm. i've taken from there before and i was just looking at the bag like okay where do i go <laughs> Google, YouTube, I need to know how to eat this. Like, what do I eat? What do I combine to? Some of them you try and then you're like, okay, continuous. Mm-hmm. I can use this every other day. Some of them you go for and you're like, no, this is not for me. And then you end up wasting that thing. But mm-hmm. if it can be mixed, like Sharon said, it'll be. So since we're on the topic of food and the meal kit will be available in February, does does anyone know what the actual meal is going to be this time around? I have not heard yet. Yes. So we had the opportunity to host, like last year it was West Africa. So now we're having Eastern African food. That includes uh, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Burundi, Congo, Sudan. So we're having something called pilau. It's just a mixture. It's just like jollof rice, but a different form of it because it's less spicy. And yeah, so we'll be giving that. <laughs> That'll also be a challenge because if you didn't give the recipe, I think also 
people who are not familiar who struggle. It's me, almost like, like she's throwing shade at West Africa. It's not spicy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. West Africa, oh, it's they so love spicy. The spices, oh, they man. love the spices. I, I, us mm. East Africans, we, we, I can't handle spice. I had to like te- train myself to handle spice. Mm, just I think <laughs> And I'm not ashamed. I'm like, Mm-mm, that's not for me. I start crying. So, yeah. So we have a chapati also. It's like roti, but... Ooh. We make it in a different way. So mm-hmm. like it has a a touch of bit of Indian, but it's not Indian. So it's like our way. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to people trying our food. Yeah. So yeah. Chapati is like kind of like a naan bread sort of, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's um, like a naan bread. Yeah. But it's so good. Love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So everyone will be getting a meal kit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Everyone who registered. Yes. <laughs> good point. Where do yes. you register? At the LCSA. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And I think we'll be able to probably put a link in yeah. the show notes Ooh. to how to register for anyone who's interested. Awesome. Yes. Sharon, you mentioned some of the interesting celebrations that you experienced from fellow students, such as Diwali. What are some other things that you've learned for, about other students' cultures? I've been like hanging around Jamaicans, you get to see also they have rice and beef chicken curry, different kind of foods. Like they're all spicy, but <laughs> I try at least to try to have it and also i would say like hanging around my indian friends they have a way of just they love dancing so i try to be on the hallways try to play their music and dance and just like that's a way of really learning how to do things their way yeah Yeah. well i mean you're a dancer too so i guess aside from food that is another way to embrace another culture yes I I remember the festival of colors last year from the Indian squad. It was it was really nice. There were colors everywhere, and then they they all wore white just to put colors on the white. It was it was so funny, but it was cheerful. It was vibrant, and in a way, I I'm looking forward to this year's festival of colors. Just I don't know anything like I don't know a lot about Indian tradition, just the movies, but. Just that particular day, the way everybody was so happy, putting red, blue everywhere. I'm looking forward to it again. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that they do that. Oh, yes. When they did the color thing last year, I asked one of them and he mentioned that they do it. It's like a religious practice to bring chair, Mary, like that particular period. You're praying for, you're asking for chair, merriment peace love and you so participating in something like that is bringing positivity and i've learned that at least just one day in a year you do something like that you're making other people happy and yourself happy mm-hmm. yeah also adding on to that like with the lcs everyone like these events like the cricket that's an indian thing an indian game like it's really embraced in that country so like we have these tournaments going on so like it's a great way to come and experience what they're really passionate about and yeah oh yeah and then um also indigenous culture yeah i mean since moving to alberta i used to live in toronto and since moving to alberta like i've learned a lot more about indigenous cultures like powwows and stuff like that and just the the, the cultural like dresses like the clothing and the words like the words that they use as well like okay like you started it with with okay i would have never known that in toronto like i i I just never or at least in any other like post-secondary school in in ontario i would have never known that because yeah but i I like that lethbridge is is like big on indigenous culture as well yeah just taking you back i know off topic but when you ask about what the college could have done to 
to like make us feel more at home. I, f- I would say like the improvement they should make is like, for example, we are all from different places, right? We all African and we Indians, wherever we have different religions. So I would feel like they should have a safe place for Muslims too to go do their prayers because they pray five times a day. So if you have classes throughout the day, you need a place to go and pray. So a space for them would be nice because we all worship what we worship and mm. it's good to appreciate and respect other people too. So a space for them would really do good. So Yeah, it would be more inclusive. More inclusive, yeah. Yeah, that's a great suggestion, Sharon. Mm. So another big question, what does Black History Month mean to you personally? a time of reflection time to learn celebrate like it's I like what it it, it signifies a lot of things but importantly it makes you reflect you were not a part of like the history you were not there with whatever happened and all that but you're going to learn about it you're going to take lessons from it you're going to know how to evolve from all of that and if you don't celebrate it, then you don't pass down knowledge and you always want to pass down knowledge. It's important because knowledge is power, even if money is power, but knowledge <laughs> is power. <laughs> but yes, it's important because every other time of the year, you may not necessarily talk about black history, but you have a whole month to discuss it, to reflect on it, to observe things, to learn from. There are people who their grandparents were part of things in the past and they told them about things you learn from those kinds of people and you see where they've been where they are and where they are going so the whole month is just reflection learning growing community Mm. open-mindedness is a good one as well because i'm very interested in having people you know learn new things and and stuff like that mentioned that earlier and like you said knowledge is power like you, hundred percent knowledge is power. Like you, come, we're coming here to learn about whatever we're interested in, and it's good to just throw in everything else in there. Some things that we need to know, to, like to be better, <laughs> be better as a community, as a country, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the curriculum that's in your courses. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other learning that occurs. Yeah, exactly. I would say just to appreciate and try to move on past what we went through because dwelling in the past can hinder us from moving forward and mm-hmm. like achieving greater things. And yeah, and also I, it's a place also I want people to learn like we can be, we, we fight for diversity, but also let's be, let's be different. What we fight for should reflect the positive things that we want people to learn and just not be saying like, oh, I am black, I'm just unique. Mm-hmm. It's not just being about the color. We can be, we can have color, but no purpose. So mm-hmm. let's be people oh. with purpose. Okay. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've loved hearing all your thoughts and ideas. And before we wrap up, I'd like to just ask what is next for all of you? where you're at in your studies, when you anticipate graduating and and kind of the career that you're looking forward to? Studying to become an administrative office professional may sound like, oh, it's just an admin professional. But it's, I, I want to become unique in that field. It's not just about sitting on a desk and typing away, taking calls. One day I hope to be like, Admin manager, office manager, like growth. So with all of that in the next one year, get more certifications, get certified by board, you know, grow career-wise. 
personally like just expand my thinking at the end of the day and then immerse myself in Canadian culture as I do that. Well, and that's a great um, certification to go in a wide range of directions. Yeah, well, it's not like wide. I intend to specialize, but like probably be a medical office assistant or something and grow in that field. I've not made up my mind yet. That's where I'm looking at right now, but depends on the funds for going to school. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Susan. Yeah, honestly speaking, Donna, like people think uh, being in college is like your mind is made up, you know, what you really want to do. But it's it's a journey. Like I wake up today, be like, hmm, I want to pursue psychology. But again, will I be happy? Then I wake up again and be like, oh, actually, let me do social work because I I, I like helping people. But again, tomorrow you wake up, you're like, what, what was the main reason why I came here? For me, I've been pursuing dance professionally for eight years. And I knew that was my life would have been all along. I've been, I've been a great choreographer somewhere, but COVID happened. And then I was forced to choose a different path. So when I chose why psychologists said like, oh, I'm going to try to be a unique psychologist, maybe I want to use dance as a form of therapy. So that was my main purpose coming here. But again, nowadays I like, I have a voice. Maybe I can advocate for something different in social work because they lack the voice to force change. Okay. I, I know I'm in a foreign country. It can be challenging, but that's why we're here to push boundaries, yeah. knock on the doors and keep on knocking. Okay. We are the voice and we the change. We are the future. Say. Yeah, we are the future. Well, well said, Sharon. Well <laughs> said. Oh, and what about you, Ryle? So I'm currently in criminal justice, policing. I'm looking to be a police officer in the future, hopefully with RCMP or Lethbridge, Calgary, Edmonton. My family lives in Calgary, so I would like to... Actually, no, I wouldn't like to be close to them. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I, I love my family. No, I love my family. But yeah. I would love, I love to, I would love to work in a community with, with them. You know, I also know that Grand Prairie just opened up a police service too. So I was thinking about it just because they did have a, a presentation today. But yeah, I feel like we're all in like a little bit of a limbo, just being in college, not knowing what we want to do. Like I've, I've heard that like a million, I hear that a lot every day. So like you guys aren't alone. Like we're all, we're all in this together. I feel like talking to people is really, really good. And that's why I kind of why I want to be a police officer. I love talking to people. I love interacting and having conversations just like this. <laughs> well, and it's always a journey. You never know where things are going to lead you. And, and who knows? I mean, your instructors also had careers prior to being instructors. So mm-hmm. maybe you'd end up teaching one day. <laughs> I don't know. But sometimes also being international students, it hinders us from doing what we really want to, to do because it's expensive. So... <laughs> we have to settle for less <laughs> if we cannot achieve we cannot go for what you want but what's life once you have a base then we could move forward from that and maybe later years just pursue what we really want to do yeah exactly yeah sometimes it's just a matter of time yeah <laughs> well wonderful well thank you so much and i wish you all the best of luck on your future endeavors and on your education. Thank and you. uh, Thank I know you. it's Thank it's you. a lot of work and it can be a grind, but you're all doing absolutely amazing things. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. <laughs> this episode featured Donna McLaughlin as host and Sharon Boyd, Susan Samila, and Ryo Izzo Bore as guests. Jordana Gagnon was our producer. Ryan Robinson was our sound technician and editor. 
Thank you also to Janice Michelle, Kelsey Jansen for their ongoing support and expertise. Our podcast is funded by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation and recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. For more episodes, head to our website, learninginnovation.ca. Thanks for listening and take care. Mm-hmm.